<laughs> Welcome to Dames and Dragons, an actual play 5e podcast with an all-female cast. I hope my boys and girls are ready f- and gender-neutral people are ready for a- an adventure. Who, who is that? Who is that talking? Hello, it's me, uh, Father Time. Oh. <laughs> Father Time, you sound kind of congested. What's that about? I have a cold, as do 50% of the cast of Dames and Dragons. (laughs) Father Time, why have you uh, visited us today? I need to stop to get some Mucinex from Noelle's cabinet. Uh, You're out of luck. I know you always come here for Mucinex, Father Time, but... uh... I out. shall take some from your harvest this year as a tax for your no. betrayal. Not again. <laughs> and that is why we had to take a month off from releasing episodes. Hi, I'm Kat. I'm your DM. Hi, I'm Noelle, and I play Fran, who is a Genasi wizard. Hi, I am Sophia, and I play Laika, a tiefling paladin. Hello, I'm Caitlin, and I play Corbin, who is a human druid. Are we going to mention that we're level five now? Or we're level that, five now. Yay. Yeah. As everyone is falling to their deaths, they level up. Level <laughs> up. When we do die, when we hit the ground, at least we'll we'll know that we were level five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, this is the last episode of Dames and Dragons. Yeah. It's yep. been good. It's been swell. I mean, I'm glad that we got the listenership we got while we had living characters. But, you know, sometimes these things happen. Uh, so, for those of you not in the know, what happened last time, the island of Estra has fallen from the sky and taken our heroes with it. So this is, we're beginning our second arc. Are you guys excited? Yeah. Yay. Oh, I do love the sound of excitement in the morning. (laughs) Or the mid-afternoon evening. It's also not excitement. It's genuinely fear. <laughs> fear. <laughs> I don't know why you guys are scared. It's, uh, what what indication have I given you that you should be scared? We're falling from uh, the sky. Yeah, all those times you told us you should be scared. And you were <laughs> like, you better level up, threatening wink. Also, I've known you for more than three days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's play D&D. When the world was new and all was green and growing, the beast gods roamed the great forest. They protected their own and hunted all those who opposed them. The humans who lived on the edge of the forest made offerings to appease the gods and keep their favor. And then one day the wolf god Fenrir found a new offering on his altar. Sitting on the stone slab where humans had carved his likeness, there sat a young girl. She was still, not crying, hardly breathing, only watching him. O mighty Fenrir, she said to him, my kind have sent me in place of the sheep 
The year has been lean, and I cannot spare the meat. I humbly offer you my life. Fenrir circled the girl. Are you afraid? Fenrir asked. No. I only regret that I do not have the strength to protect my village. But if this is how I am to die, I ask that you kill me quickly. Fenrir considered the human girl for a long time and then approached her. Climb onto my back. If your life is mine, then you will be one of my pack. We will teach you strength. And so the girl learned. However, she took no joy in the violence of the wolves. She much preferred to explore the sacred woods. Then one day she came across the dear god Cernunus. She had been warned to never cross the paths of the other gods, and so she turned to run. But the grass grew around her feet, binding her to the earth as the great stag turned his impassive gaze to her. Are you afraid? the dear god asked. No, said the girl. I only regret that there is so much more to learn. If this is how I am to die, I only ask that you do it quickly. The grass around her feet loosed, and she was able to step free. If you wish to learn, then my herd shall teach you. And so the girl learned. She learned the magic that was in the water and the wind, and she learned to harness it. She began to venture out further, using this magic to reach areas of the forest she had never been before. And then one day, as she climbed, her hand was trapped by a black talon. She looked up to see the shining black eyes of Munin, god of the crows. Are you afraid? Munin asked, bringing her beak close to the girl's ear. No, the girl said. I only regret that I was not able to see more of this wide world. If this is how I am to die, I only ask that you do it quickly. If you wish to see the world, then I will show it to you, Moonin said. I will teach you how to explore and to survive even in the worst places, so you may see all there is to see. And so the girl learned. The crows carried her on their wings, taking her far beyond the forest to see great oceans and mountains. In this way, the girl became a woman. She brokered a careful peace between the three clans and made herself a home in the center of the forest. Outside the protection of the trees, time passed, and people became less wary of the forest. The battles between the great beasts no longer kept them from the paths. Their villages turned into cities, and their cities into empires. They prayed to gods who rained destruction upon their enemies. Those who could flee ran to the safety of the woods. The woman took them in and tended their wounds. She raised homes for them and sheltered them from the war of the world. She taught these lost ones to live in the forest in harmony with their hosts, and for a time it seemed that this world they were creating would last. And then the fire started. Embers from the battles of the gods set the world ablaze. Empires were consumed, cities were razed, villages burned to nothing but ash. 
The forest was no longer safe as the trees began to light and fire decimated all that it touched. And so she called upon the gods of beasts. Friends, she cried, lend me your power. The heat of the flame grows ever closer. It is only through peace with each other that we can all be saved. And seeing that there was no other way, the gods agreed. Taking these gifts into herself, the woman thought of the lessons she had learned. She remembered the hours running with the wolves, which toughened her souls and built her muscles. She remembered the days sitting in the clearings with the deer, learning the magic which lay within all things. She remembered flying with the crows, the wind on her face, and the thrill of discovery. With the power she had been given, she was able to lift the forest into the sky. As they rose higher and higher, those in the forest could see the glowing embers of the world below stretching out as far as they could see. When they finally vanished above the clouds, they knew that there was nothing left in the world below. They named their new home Estra, a haven above the clouds, forever safe from the cruelty wrought by the fires of war. So, you are all falling from the sky. Laika, you are holding on to the goddess, and Fran and Corbin, you are holding on to each other. Corbin, you took an arrow in your shoulder, and you are losing blood quickly. Laika, you are holding on to the goddess, and as she fails in her last attempt to keep Estra afloat, she passes out. Fran, you cast Featherfall on everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so you guys are falling slower than the rubble. So, the goddess is passed out, and as you are holding onto her, you're clinging onto her, a huge piece of rubble falls, and you have you are forced to hold tighter to her as it hits you in the shoulder, and you're pushed to one side, and then you can't see Fran and Corbin anywhere. You look around, you have no idea where they've gone because there is just fields of rubble, fallen buildings, pieces of the magic carriages are falling. You see a um, dining room table that's fallen out of a window of a building. And it's just chaos raining down. Um, and I'm going to have you actually now make three deck saves. 18 plus 2. That's 19 plus 2. And 14 plus 2. All right. Yeah, so you are able to use these obstacles to push through the rubble without getting crushed by any of it. A uh, building falls towards you and you're being almost about to be trapped in this gap with the goddess, but you're able to push off of one piece and basically propel it away, giving you enough time to escape and speed up. But as you, you know, as soon as you guys are clear of the rubble, you and the goddess, you begin falling much faster because Featherfall only lasts for four rounds uh, at a fourth level spellcaster, uh, which is 40 seconds. Uh, and you look down to see what you're falling towards, but in the light of the full moon, all you can see is a faint shimmering. However, you can hear amid the screams and crashes of huge pieces of debris falling into each other, enormous splashing sounds. And you realize just a few moments before you and the goddess hit the surface that you're falling into water. You plummet into it and it is icy cold. And there's no bottom. You just keep sinking. As you force your eyes to open, it stings, but you manage to look around. 
You see the goddess about 50 meters away, suspended in unearthly rays of moonlight filtering through the surface. And you look down and you see there's nothing and you just choke, you inhale, and you feel the edges of your vision go black. And the last thing you see in front of you is the goddess glowing faintly in the light and you're drowning. So, uh, Corbin, you have taken an arrow for the goddess, and you are losing a lot of blood. Um, you're going to have disadvantage until you heal. Sweet. So I'll have each of you now make three deck saves. Those rolls were four, 19, and 15. Uh, the lowest one is four plus two. That's an 11. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't on disadvantage, that would have been a natural 20, but I am on disadvantage, so it was, <laughs> thankfully, though, it was 21. So, Fran, you are clinging on to Corbin as he is quickly losing a lot of blood, and you are falling, and there's the world is falling around you, and you just, you're not able to keep a hold of each other. You're flung from each other's grasp <laughs> as a piece of rubble comes between you and pushes you apart. Uh, I'm going to have you each make another roll to see if you can get back together. Um, that's a 13 for me. That's an 11 for me. Okay, that's actually enough. Uh, Fran, you are able to push yourself off of a piece of rubble and sort of dive at Corbin to get your arms around him again. <laughs> There's still, you know, just all sorts of things flying past you. You see one of those flying motorcycle type things. You see someone fly past you, still riding one, trying to make it to the ground. You see people with various spells trying to stay afloat or at least slow their fall. People are casting feather fall right and left, but there's just so much falling from the sky. People are getting crushed and you cling tighter. Fran, as Corbin's sort of going limp in your arms, you just dig your nails into his shoulders. Pray, pray that you two are going to be able to stay together as you plummet towards the world below. Uh, your feather fall wears off and you look down to see where you're going to land and it doesn't look like anything. In the darkness, as the island's debris touches down ahead of you with deafening crashes, huge clouds of dust rise up, blocking your view of the ground um, and you fall into the plumes. And the, as I'm, I want to cast feather fall again. Okay, all right. <laughs> Okay, great. So you guys slow, slow back down and you manage to keep hold of Corbin as you suddenly make impact with the ground and there's just an explosion of dust around you as you do. And uh, I'll have you each make a constitution save. Do I have disadvantage on the constitution? Yeah, you well? still, you haven't healed. I got 14. Okay. And the second is a nine, so 11. All right, you're choking and you're coughing, but you're able to stay conscious as the sandstorm kicks up around you. Uh, and you realize as you get up on your hands and knees that what you've landed on is sand. And you can't see anything else. The storm is blocking out any light from the moon or the stars. You know, everywhere is just sand. It's coarse and irritating. Yeah. <laughs> it gets I everywhere. <laughs> okay. I'm glad I brought this up now so we can just get it out of the way. Anyway, 
So what do you guys want to do? Uh, you're on the ground. There is a sandstorm raging. Corbin, you are still bleeding out. Neither of you can see anything. It's a sandstorm? How how bad is it? Are we about to die? Yeah, so you have limited visibility. Um, mm-hmm. If you do not act at all, you will not be able to breathe in this in probably two rounds. All right. Guess what, you guys? Level 5 Fran has some hot spells. Oh, hot spells. Oh. Hot spells straight off the spell press. What'd you get? Uh, it's called Liamon's Tiny Hut. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it. All right. So basically, a 10-foot radius immobile dome of force springs into existence around and above you and remains stationary for the duration. Oh. The spell ends if you leave its area. Nine creatures... But that. A lot of people can fit inside. No creatures or objects can come in here. Spells can't come in here. I can't cast spells out of it. The atmosphere inside is comfortable and dry, regardless of the weather outside. And from the outside, it is opaque, any color I choose, but it's transparent from the inside. Very cool. What color is it? I'm going for camouflage, so it's like sand color. Okay. Uh, So you spring that up around you and Corbin? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. How long does it last for? What's the duration? Eight hours. Okay. Nice. <laughs> well, I was fucking ready. <laughs> you were. Uh, all right. Well, so now you've solved the sa- you've solved my sandstorm puzzle. Yes. Uh, but Go you inside. still have your Corbin bleeding out puzzle <laughs> to deal with. I'm mm-hmm. groaning in pain. Is is he awake? Uh, yeah, just barely. Corbin, cast healing on yourself. <laughs> can I do that? Yeah, you can do it yourself. <laughs> uh, I don't I, know why you didn't do it earlier. I'm just used to like you know you you give it out and you get it in return. I forget that I can cast spells on myself. Do I have to pull out the arrow first? Oh yeah, you know yeah. let's let's get some role playing yeah. in here. Yeah, yeah. All right, pull Wait, it out. Where's that arrow? Put. Give yeah. me something to bite on. I uh, put qu- your hand in my mouth. <laughs> no. I quickly look around the dome and realize that there's just sand in here. I try to put some sand in Corbin's mouth. <laughs> I start to choke. I realize my folly and I um, find my rope. I put it in his mouth. Cool, thanks. I bite down on that real hard. All right. Um, no, I'll just roll to see how good you're able to do this. Is this going to be medicine? Yeah, roll medicine check. Okay, so I got 18. Very good. All right, so you expertly are able to pull this arrow out of Corbin and put your hands over the wound as soon as the arrow comes out to stem the bleeding long enough for Corbin to... What spell are you casting? Lay on hands? I'm going to cast Cure Wounds on myself. Okay. I got a 7 plus 4. Okay, so that brings you up to... That's 28. Uh, and And I have to touch a creature, so I'm touching my boob window. Sensually. Of all the people I could have gotten stuck with, (laughs) I got stuck with my best bud, Corbin. I'm also so grateful to be here with you. (laughs) Fran begins to have a panic attack. (laughs) Uh, I don't have a spell for that. (laughs) You can calm me down. (laughs) <laughs> I go over to Fran, and I put my hand inside of her water hair. <laughs> what? what? And then I pat her on the head. <laughs> oh, Fran freaks out. <laughs> and my hair, just, I let it deform, because I am very surprised and shocked, and it falls in the sand and disappears, so thanks for that. <laughs> Now I'm bald. <laughs> That's a great look on you. Um, uh, Fran screams <laughs> piercingly. 
Corbin uh, hears you imitating his bird call, and he makes his bird call back at you. Uh, okay, well, Fran just, like, puts her face in her knees and tries to do breathing exercises and um, <laughs> fails to calm down, but eventually says... The feather fall wore off before we hit the ground. What do you think happened to Laika? have to say like welcome to our new arc welcome welcome to our new arc welcome welcome to newark newark airport welcome it's a wonderful town to no, newark 2 the sequel to newark <laughs> which will save the animals again Ah, welcome to Arc 2, everyone. Welcome. Um, I'm doing this interlude with a couple of my good friends. <laughs> Hello, we're also here. I am not Noelle's good friend. I'm her enemy. Do you need to leave? Should, she, should I kick just, her out? Just kidding. <laughs> should, do you need me to bounce her? Should I bounce her? I don't know how to answer that question. Put me on a trampoline. <laughs> no, I'm going to bounce you like a little baby boy. I, I don't like that. <laughs> I'm going to bounce you. going to burp you. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I'm like too Come old. On, Come on, baby. You <laughs> don't touch no, me. No, they're really doing it. This is <laughs> horrible. I'm resisting. <laughs> like being slapped on the back. Oh, man. Yes, I can't. disrespect. <laughs> well, let's move on. Uh, listen to They See Me Rollin' because it's a great podcast and they're very charming and Jelly Butter is uh, my one true love. And they rolled a natural 20 to charm me. Wow. Specifically. I know that you did it, you guys. I know you rolled that natural 20. TSMR, you guys are awesome. And I love the name of your podcast and especially how it abbreviates close to ASMR. <laughs> um, what is airport security called? Air- TSA. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, listen. TSMR boys. Listen, okay. My good boys from TSMR. Thanks for the shout out. Uh, I've been listening to the podcast and uh, Scump gives me life. Um, Also, thank you for in your recent episode saying that I play a character who's really friendly, but I'm kind of a mean person. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, that's just really true to life. And I'm glad that you're um, exposing the situation in the way that it needs to be exposed. Thank you. Maybe someday someone will rescue us from her. <laughs> Not likely. Um. So yeah. So, <laughs> what was that accent? <laughs> Nothing. It was like Russian a little bit. Where I've never heard of that country. I love <laughs> apple pie. Noelle is, for the record, getting very nervous and sweaty over no. there. She's turning as red as flag yet, yet, of Mother yet, Russia. Yet, yet. <laughs> Noelle's a communist. Pass it on. Well, also thanks to the people who have given us iTunes reviews. Um, that's not even look bad. Room Uh That maybe 
Good try. B. Reagan, Atomic Scotsman, and L. Croc. You guys have lit up our lives. We're so thankful. These are some very beautiful reviews um, made by, I'm sure, some very handsome and wonderful people. L. Croc, you crock me right up. Thanks, Bring- Lillian. <laughs> Uh-oh, look out. It's, it's a crockin' rising from the sea. Thanks, L. Croc. I have nothing to add. There's no way to add to perfection. So thanks so much to those people who gave us iTunes reviews. And to anybody who hasn't given us an iTunes review yet, we would love it if you would do so. Um, If everyone who we know is listening actually gave us a rating, uh, we would skyrocket in the charts and take over the world. So if you want to see us be your new overlords, please rate us on iTunes. And if not, still rate us on iTunes. And if you're lucky enough, I'll come up with a cool pun of your name, like L. Croc and that whip. L. Croc, thank you. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys want to... Make thanks for the fan art. Oh, yeah. Make <laughs> I want to make thanks. <laughs> Sophia now has uh, a thanks she would like to make. So I must make thanks to some really beautiful fan artists. Uh, you guys did amazing, beautiful work. Um, it seems like Corbin is a fan favorite, so I'm really sorry that Caitlin is not here thanking you. So I'm just going to read these in what I think is Corbin's voice. Mm. Excuse me? Hmm? <laughs> I support you, Sophia. This belongs to nobody. Ungnonks. <laughs> That's with some X's in there. I did my best. Hero. More than tits. Savage piss. And that's it. <laughs> you guys are fantastic. And I'm Corbin. And I'm I'm a crow. And if you guys want to look at that fan art, you can go to damesanddragons.com slash fan art. Speaking of art, Caitlin also posted Corbin's official art. Finally. Uh, so that's on Tumblr and Facebook. And as a refresher, we're Dames and Dragons on both of those. It is beautiful. He is wearing a feather cape and trying his best to not be a human, which he clearly is. <laughs> and Caitlin's not here to defend him. <laughs> Corbin's a human. Pass it on. We also have a very special thank you to make, and that is to our very first patron on Patreon. Um, we were kind of bowled over when we saw that he had started donating because we didn't even really have our Patreon set up yet. Um, so thank you so much to Brandon. And without further ado, let's take it away. Brandon, he's the Mandan. He's our fandom. We love you, Brandon. Brandon. Thanks for giving us money, Brandon. We love the money, Brandon. (laughs) Give us your money, Brandon. (laughs) We did it. Woo! Yeah. Um, so the last thing that we wanted to talk about today is that we are going to be doing a giveaway. And what are we going to be giving away, Kat? That's a great question, Noelle. 
Dies. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. You're right. Uh, we are going to be giving away a set of dice that the four of us are going to pick out together. Yes. And a custom Dames and Dragons dice bag, which I am going to make. God, it's amazing. Cat, you're so cool. Cat, can I have one too? No. Oh, I want one though. I don't. I, I'm making one. It's an exclusive. I guess you'll have to just join the giveaway, yeah. Sophia. Well, fine. You will also get other stuff, probably, like maybe candy or something, Well, <laughs> uh, as well as a card with doodles and messages and signatures, of course, from all of us. Yes. And then, finally. So the piece de resistance is a special exclusive chance for your original character to make a appearance as an NPC in arc three of Dames and Dragons. Um, I will work closely with the winner to craft a memorable and significant appearance for your uh, original character. And I really look forward to it because I think it's going to be super fun. I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I think it's going to be great. Thanks for your input, Sophia. You're welcome. So how do you get this amazing prize? Well, there are two different ways. Number one, you can join the incredible Brandon and donate to our Patreon. For as low as $1 a month, you can just click on that and have a chance to win this prize, as well as having access to our Patreon feed where we post extras, deleted scenes. Uh, We'll start posting lore there. Yeah. There's going to be exclusive art, uh, bonus maps, all sorts of supplemental material if you're interested in some of the background aspects of the planning that I do, um, some of the world building. So please come join us on the Patreon. It's going to be super fun. Uh, And you'll get a chance to enter in this sweet hot contest. And Noelle, what's the other way that they can win this contest? Well, we understand that money is tight. And if you would like to enter this contest for free... There's a way to do that. You get a friend of yours to, or an enemy, or your boss, long lost relative, your senator, your father, your father figure, or your action figure. <laughs> Not your action figure. You have to be a real human person. Yeah, a real human person is ideal. Or. Alien a ghost. Person. If it's a ghost who can tell someone else, then that's fine. Ghost or alien? Mm-hmm. That's actually ideal. If you have a ghost or an alien, please tell them about Dames and Dragons because they'll probably relate to us a lot. Oh, I love that so much. For no reason because we are normal humans. Um, <laughs> so if you get a friend to listen, then you can have them tell us what their favorite part was. You could um, send us a screenshot of them texting you what their favorite part is. You can both comment in the same Facebook thread. Just make sure we know that they listened, have a favorite part, who you are, and how to get in contact with you. Um, You can do that on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, or email, I guess. Our email is dragondames at gmail.com. And also, if you happen to do both of those things, you will be entered twice in the contest. Yes. Really, this is a way for us to drum up more listenership. We really want this community to grow. I think... Everybody who has uh, contacted us so far has been so sweet and funny, and our listener base is just so amazingly nice. Yeah, um, I've been really like shocked and amazed by how cool you guys are, actually. Yes, we were so prepared 
to just uh, be fending off trolls left and right. Yeah. <laughs> we were so prepared to for the internet to uh, destroy us. But no, you guys came out like a shining shield of love and friendship. And uh, we really want that community to grow. And uh, this is a way for us to grow our podcast listenership. And we would really appreciate your help. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to give something back to you as well. So go tell a friend. So yeah, um, thanks again to everyone for being amazing. I had been expecting to go through this month off with like no downloads of any of our episodes, but that actually hasn't been the case. Um, there have actually been more downloads of our first few episodes than many of the times when we were actively posting. And we know that that's because of you guys telling people, spreading the word, reviewing on iTunes, and just generally being all around decent, great, wonderful people. <laughs> That sort of escalated. They were decent, they were great, wonderful, and then they're people. Yeah. <laughs> um, our next episode will be up on May 15th. And last of all, here's a message to Chantel. Chantel, I truly can't believe that you haven't left us an iTunes review. Um, <laughs> uh, we've been out here begging these randos, and we give you a message every every episode. <laughs> And that that review's got to be a coming. You you told me that you in fact didn't know that this was a thing that was possible, <laughs> but I sure you can't tell that it is. So in place of our message to Chantel this week, we have a message for our favorite person, Brandon. Hey, Brandon, you're on brand. That was a hundred percent an excuse just to say that, wasn't it? Brandon, Brandonicus, <laughs> Brandonia. Brandon, please don't take your $5 from us. We need that money for chicken nuggets. <laughs> Brandon! We love you, Brandon. The Brandon agent is active. <laughs> Go! It did not take long after Estra ascended for the gods to take notice. When the flames of war burned the earth to ash and killed all of their followers, those beings turned their eyes to the last pocket of survivors. While many tried to exert their influence, they found no house of worship would open its doors to them. They were to blame for the wreckage of the world, and none who were left would praise them. It was Torva, the conqueror, who was smitten not with the potential for worship, but with the goddess herself. He reasoned that if he could convince her to be his wife, they could together take down even the forces which had created them all. One evening, Torva appeared at the goddess's temple, lining up with her worshippers to lay gifts at her feet. She would take their gift, hold it close to her heart, and then kiss the forehead of her worshipper. My lady, he said. I bring you the sword of Belius. May you use it to vanquish your enemies. The goddess took the sword, examining its fine blade. As Torva stood to accept her kiss, she plunged the sword into his gut. 
Your wish has come true. I have vanquished my enemy, she said. Torva gaped and gasped, and his form vanished. However, it is not so easy to kill a god. Torva, spurned, swore his revenge. As Estra continued to flourish and build, Torva sat on his throne of burnt earth. He summoned a tomb, the snake. A tomb, furious at the betrayal of her kin, the wolf, deer, and crow, agreed to help. They colluded in secret, and from this union there was born the first Castra. The egg of this monstrous creature was hidden in the deep chambers of the goddess's temple, where it lay in wait, armed with a poison that could steal the immortality from the divine. It snuck from its dark home up to the goddess's bedchambers, and stood over her sleeping form, poison from its fangs dripping onto her face. It did not notice the wolf god who slept at the foot of her bed until it was too late. Fenrir took the castra in his enormous jaws and snapped it in two. However, the creature's poison had touched the sleeping goddess's lips, and her mortal form was now cursed to die. She gathered her friends, the beast gods, to her side. Without you, Estra will fall, Sernunas said. It is tied to the divinity we gave you. If you are mortal, then we will fall, said Munin. Our divinity is held within you. If you die, I shall not live, Fenrir said. You are my daughter, and I would rend the world in two rather than see you perish. The goddess held her friends close. No, she said. No gods, no forces shall bring Estra down. Listen well, for I will not let Estra die with me. And so the goddess took a human lover and in time became heavy with child. But as she grew, her body became weaker. When the time came for the child to be born, Fenrir brought her deep into the woods. Sernunas prepared a bed of grass and leaves for her and Munin a nest to serve as a crib for the child. This is my end, she told her friends. But do not weep, for inside me there is new life, and the gift of divinity which you granted me will be kept alive. There will be a new goddess, never touched by the world below, and she will carry my spirit with her. In this way, I shall never die. Are you afraid? They asked. I shall never fear, the goddess said, as long as you are by my side. And so the new goddess was born, and the old gods could see the child's shining divinity, which would keep Estra afloat for all time. And now we're going to go back to Laika and the goddess. You wake up as you feel the earth below you rock, and you wake up coughing and sputtering and spitting out seawater, and it takes you a minute to figure out that you're on land again. You've made land somehow, but you just feel so tired. I mean, you just feel this sort of unspeakable weariness, and uh, functionally what that is, is you have taken two strength damage. Is that permanent? Uh, no, this is a, just, until you take a long rest. Okay. Um, it's negative two to your base strength. 
So when you open your eyes, you realized um, a lot of time has passed since you went unconscious. Uh, the sky above you is a light periwinkle, and it seems to be early morning. And when you look over, you see the goddess is next to you, and she's gasping for air, laying on her back. Her eyes are open, but she's not really responding to anything. So can I have you roll a medicine check? Uh, 16. Okay, yeah. You press on her chest and get her to spit out the rest of the water to cough it out and turn her on her side um, so she's not, you know, choking on seawater anymore. When you try and rouse her, she's not responding to you. She's just sort of laying there limp but breathing. And as you look around, you realize you are on the top of a tall, rocky cliff. Um, You look over the edge and you can see that there's just water down below you. Um... And as you look out over the horizon, it's all water in every direction. And you kind of can't comprehend it. Like you've never seen an ocean before. So I wash up on an island? Mm, It's about like 20 feet out of the water of sheer cliffs. So you've somehow ended up on the top of this island. It's not like you washed up on it. You've just sort of appeared there. Around you, there's one or two low shrub-like trees, some tufts of grass clinging to the rock, but not really anything else. Ahead of you, though, you can see there's a much larger shoreline with some foliage and trees on it, but it's quite a distance, and it's farther than you think you can swim at this point. You're just too weak, especially if you're carrying a limp goddess. Otherwise, there's not much... You can't see. There's nothing. So a shore is something to me, though. So I just <laughs> it wanna... sure is. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and she's not awake. Does she need to be healed? Uh, you can't tell. It doesn't seem like she's taken any physical damage, though. Okay. She's not. Doesn't have any cuts or bruises or anything. Well, I'm gonna say it's safe to assume that we got on this cliff probably because of the goddess, and that this proves that she's divine. I think it's a miracle that we're alive. I'm pretty sad that everything I know is gone, and my friends have disappeared, and my best friend, Gingy, is maybe dead. Uh, But I'm fine. I feel great, and everything's normal. And I'm going to try and wake up the goddess. No, I mean, you pumped water out of her lungs, like, and she didn't respond to it. Okay, so in that case, I'm going to put her on my back and investigate the island. I got a 16. Okay. Um, With a 16, you look around a little bit more and you see a path down. It is on the far side of this small island, so you'll have to swim around it to be able to swim towards the shoreline. You're still going to have to climb a long ways, but you can see there's clear, you know, handholds and footholds. You think you're going to be able to make it down that cliff face rather than the sheer cliff that you woke up on. Okay, I'm going to go down that way. Okay, what are you going to do with the goddess? I have rope, right? So I'm going to tie her mm-hmm. around my bod. Okay. Okay, sure. Roll a survival check. Shit. <laughs> oh. What'd you roll? Uh, I got a two, so that's a six. Okay. Uh, well, you tie the goddess onto your back, and you begin to climb down the cliff. Uh, go ahead and make a strength roll. Thirteen. Uh, I mean, your arms are screaming. Your legs are burning. It just, it hurts to be doing this hand over hand you are concentrating you are gritting your teeth but a rock slips and you're just you're not able 
to grab on and course correct quick enough and you fall backwards and you fall into the ocean with the goddess with you and uh, and she comes untied your knots fail and she begins to float away from you as you struggle to get back up to the surface I'm gonna grab her okay uh 20 okay yeah you are able to push your way back up to the surface and you see her she hasn't floated too far away from you yet and you're able to swim over and sort of tuck her under your arm but what do you want to do now you're out in the open ocean you could still swim back to the island or you could make an attempt on the shore well i mean i wanted to get to the shore anyway and i think it's important we get off this island even though that's going to be tough okay it's not going to be easy but let's do it okay so make uh three strength checks okay 23 24 Mm -hmm. and that is 12 Okay, so you are feeling strong. You are able to concentrate. You pull in. You think of Buddy. You think of Buddy teaching you how to swim in the rivers and how he he taught you to swim against the current. And you remember him holding you up as you arm over arm, leg kicking up, kicking down, swam against the current and trained for this type of thing. I mean... He never knew you'd be in this situation, but he wasn't the worst mentor in the world. You have some training for this, and you are able to arm, turn your head, breathe, other arm, turn your head, breathe, concentrate, and dig deep, and you're you're feeling good as you're swimming, except you haven't done this while trying to hold someone else up, and you're able to make it, and you're almost to shore when she just slips out from under your grasp again. And you turn around and she's under. You don't know where she is. <laughs> All right. Well, I go and I dive and I get her. Okay. Uh, make one strength roll. Uh, I got a 20. Nice. It's not natural. Oh, well, still nice. <laughs> uh, you dive under the water and it. you try to open your eyes at first and it stings like hell. It's salt water. This is not what you're used to, but you're able to get your eyes open and see the goddess as she's sinking down towards the bottom. Uh, And you swim down and you scoop her up and you're able to break the surface again. And the waves have started to get much worse as you're getting closer to shore. But you are able to fight through it and you get her and yourself to this shoreline and you drag her up onto shore and you collapse next to her. You made it. You're on dry land. You can see there are trees in front of you and bushes. But then you can see beyond that now. And all you see beyond that is miles and miles of sand. So I'm going to check on the goddess because I know she wasn't looking good Mm -hmm. just to make sure she's okay. I'm going to move her back towards the cops of trees. Yeah, okay. So you hold up your metal bracer underneath her nose and check that it's fogging to see that she's still breathing. And you check her pulse. Her heart is beating and she is alive. She seems okay. You you really don't know much more beyond that. So you want to hide her, you said? Yeah. Okay. So I want to find if there's an area where I can like cover her up. Yeah, you can definitely cover her in sort of that the cups of trees. It's not the best, but you are able to sort of pick her up under her arms and drag her across the sand to the trees. And as you're putting her down, her hand catches on something in your pocket and pulls it out. And you look down and it's the amulet that 
Zarun, the greater wolf, gave you? Um, I pick up the amulet, and after I finish getting the goddess covered up and yeah. sheltered, I decide to break the amulet. Okay. All right. So it wasn't the best shelter for the goddess, but you're able to sort of cover her with some palm fronds and hide her in the underbrush. Um, she may not be the most comfortable, but she's hidden. And so once you're done with that, you you look at this amulet in your hand and you just crush it. And it just sort of disintegrates. Like it has no resistance when you crush it. And for a second, nothing happens. And then the shards in your hand turn into crow feathers, which speed out with enough force that they leave tiny cuts on your hands and your face. And you take four damage. And at the same time, there's this huge ear-splitting caw. And then nothing. It's silent. Well, I guess that didn't do anything. Maybe it will be resolved later. (laughs) Are there any survivors that I can see in the water? Roll a perception check. That's a 19. Great. Uh, So you look around and you really don't see anything on the horizon of the desert or along the beach. Uh, But as you peer out at the ocean past the island you swam here from, uh, you see a hazy, large figure in the distance. Though you can't really tell what it is. And with a 19, uh, when the sea breeze blows toward the shore, you hear the sound of distant screaming coming from the open ocean. God damn it. I know, like, my instinct playing Leica would be that if there's people to help, like, I should help them. Mm -hmm. And also, those people might be my friends. Like, I would assume you guys are in the water, too. Yeah. So, I'm going to use a spell called Find Steed first. Tell us a little bit about what Find Steed does. Basically, Find Steed is a second-level paladin spell. Um, There's a limited amount of creatures you can summon, but it's really open to interpretation. Like, a DM can decide, like, oh, you can summon this or not summon this. Right. It's it's a vague spell. It is, and we spent a long time debating it. So So when you go to summon a steed and you immediately think, what's going to be the most useful for me right now? And you're thinking, like, what? Water creature. Water uh, creature. Something aquatic, anyways. Okay, so you're, you're trying to think of, like, an aquatic animal and you're concentrating on this spell that you've never cast before. And you're thinking about it, and in front of you, it's just kind of like the winds begin to pick up, and they form and they swirl into the shape of a, of a quadruped, of a four-legged creature, and then there's this little and that creature materializes in front of you, and it is a ginger-colored wolf. It's Jinji! Oh my god! You were able to summon Jinji to you! So, I freak out. I run up to Jinji, I give her a big hug, and I'm... Jinji, is it you? Yeah, it's me! I don't know what happened. It was all really scary and really dark, and then suddenly it was very wet, and I couldn't see anything, and now I'm here! I start crying. And her tail is just wagging, she's licking your face jumping on you. Let's and move on. I can't <laughs> talk about this for too long. That's wonderful. So, um... So, for a little background, Jinji is the only mount that you can summon. Yeah. She is your mount. You are spiritually bound to her. Uh, and one thing you do notice about Jinji as now that you've summoned her is she does seem a little bit different. And her fur is a little bit shinier and it has sort of some silver strands in it. Uh, and she just kind of looks like sparkly she's like sparkly in the sunlight and what has happened more or less is you have infused your paladin magic with your love of Jinji 
which has turned her into your magical soul-bound steed, which you can now ride in combat. Um, and we'll get into some of the more of the mechanics of Jinji later when it's more relevant. But yeah. Welcome back, Jinji. Uh, I want to ask Jinji something really okay. quick. Yeah. Uh, Jinji, do you know what happened to Fran or Corbin or the other animals? I don't know. Her ears droop a little bit. And she's, I don't know. It was. It all happened so fast. I was there with Bay and Burajura. And then all of a sudden, everything broke apart. And I tried to stay, but... Burajura flew away, and then a big piece of building came down, and I lost track of Bay. And then I was falling, and I didn't know what to do, and I couldn't find you. I don't know where any of them are. So I calm her down, and I look to the ocean, and then back at the goddess. So I want to see, is there, like, a fallen tree or a log somewhere? Uh, there's some pieces of driftwood, a couple bits, but nothing substantial. So there's nothing big enough that I could use as, like, a flotation device? Mm, I mean, no, not really. Not that you see. I'm going to cut down a tree. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. I'm going to have you make a strength check. Okay. Don't you just have a sword? Yeah, I'm going to chop. It doesn't have to be a huge tree. It just has to be... Okay, so a small tree. It could even be, like, a substantial branch that I can use to float. Okay. Let's just see how good. Well... That's a t- 13. It takes you a while and it, it t- tires you out, but you are able to chop down a mid-sized palm tree, but you are tired from this activity. Like it definitely drains you, mm-hmm. but it'll float. So do you want to just hop on in? Uh, I'm going to turn to Gigi and I say, I think there might be survivors out there and we have to try. All right. I take off my armor and we go. Gigi just, she's aboard. She runs into the water and waits for you to get into the water and get one arm around your, your flotation device and one arm around her. And you are able to kick your way out through the surf and out into the open ocean again. You guys make it through the current. It's hard, but you do it. And as you swim out further... <sighs> You can, you can hear something across the water. It's really difficult to make out with the wind and the waves, but I'm going to have you make a perception check. 18. Okay, so yeah, out there in the distance, you see it looks like a chunk of land with the bouncing of the waves and everything. It takes you a minute to figure out what it is, but it's a piece of Estra that has crashed down to the ground and is in the shallows. And on it, you can see figures moving. So there are still people alive, but that piece of island is way too far from the shore that they probably can't see it from where they are. And just as you've seen these shapes on the horizon, Jinji, she gives a yip and she tosses her head. And you look over in the other direction and you see in the water, it's it's Zerun. So, Fran and Corbin, you two have waited out the worst of this sandstorm in your magical dome, and um, you, you're you able to see out of it, correct? Um, yes, oh. we can see out. So, as the storm starts to ease up and visibility improves somewhat, um, and still everywhere you look, all you see is sand, you also realize the sky is getting much lighter. 
You've been in there for a long time. Uh, what have you been doing? Sleeping, sleeping. having panic attacks, yeah. trying to sleep and I, having panic attacks. I think attacks. you guys would probably talk about something for yeah, a little bit, I think, right? Oh, yeah. How about that weather, friend? Uh, I'm trying to sleep, Corbin, for the 50th time. And that sums it up. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, but so let me ask. Does this dome uh, have a bottom? Uh, no, it's just around and above us. Uh, okay, great. Uh, so you two stop um, arguing, sleeping, sleep arguing. Uh, and as the sand beneath you suddenly shifts and one half of the dorm's floor begins to sink as the other half rises. It looks like there's something tunneling under you. Mm-mm-mm. This is that tremor style. Graboids! Yeah. <laughs> uh, but before you're able to really react to that, you see outside of your dome, you see someone running through the sand and they come up to your dome and they begin banging on it. It's a... It's Kevin Bacon. It's a <laughs> uh, young half-elf man, probably more like a teenager. He's dressed in estrin clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he begins banging on the dome and yelling, let me in! Just open it! And before you're able to, a pair of huge, jagged jaws leap from the sand and get him in one bite. The creature attached to this, these jaws, is enormous, like a, well, it looks a bit like a shark, but on land. A land shark, if you will, (laughs) with these massive jaws that just go all the way back to the back of its head. It has these four limbs made for clawing through the earth in the smooth skin. And it looks directly at the hut next as it finishes swallowing this man in one bite. It is, in fact, a boulette. And it has begun to circle your hut. Okay. It has these small little eyes on the sides of its head. And it's peering close to this hut, but it, it's not able to move it. Okay. Um, so what's the sandstorm situation? Um, well, the worst of it has passed, fortunately. And you can see a lot further, but it's still going. Okay. And the land shark can't seem to get into where Well, that, that's the whole thing. The hut, my interpretation of it, it says the creature cannot enter. I'm not going to have it dig under like right. some fool. Okay. So it's not going to come in here. It can't. Uh, I would like to try to communicate with the land shark. The boulette? Okay. Yeah. Uh, that is a 20, but not natural. Okay. So you reach out towards the boulette. You you put your hands on the dome and you're trying to communicate with it. Mm-hmm. And it seems for a minute like it's going to calm down. And it's looking at the point in the dome where you are. It seems to be able to sense where you are. Mm-hmm. And then it begins to dig. Oh, shit, you guys. And it may not be able to get into the dome, but it is able to take sand out from under your feet. Oh, and the God. sand inside the dome begins to shift. And you're sinking, but it can't get through under the dome. So it just keeps digging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great job, Corbin. <laughs> At least I tried something. <laughs> I love this. Oh. Fran just shakes her bald head. <laughs> no. if, basically, yeah. what, what will happen if this thing continues to dig is that when the spell runs out, you will be buried in sand. 
all the displaced sand. I got, I got some doozy spells. I'm ready to let this thing have it. All right, so before um, we go out, let's roll survival checks to, like, try to cover our faces and stuff. Mm. Oh, good, good. Yeah, I have, I have like, blankets and shit, whatever. Okay. I got a nine. 25. Okay. So, Fran, you are ready to just fucking charge out after this thing. <laughs> You've come to the decision. You guys realize there's no waiting out this thing. And you are about to charge out. And Corbin just grabs the back of your shirt and sort of pulls it up over your head. <laughs> it says, cover your mouth. <laughs> cover your mouth. Yeah, and so you guys, you you fashion mouth and nose coverings to keep from inhaling the sand and the dust. Mm-hmm. And so the, the hut disappears as soon as you exit it, right? Um, Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we know we're coming for it, and it doesn't know. That's true. Oh, so maybe if we go to the far side of the dome and fire our attacks right away, we can get a surprise round on it. Yeah! All right, so I guess it's time to roll initiative. Okay. I have a seven. I got a 19. Okay, so each of you get to make one attack, and then we'll go into the initiative order. Okay. All right, so Fran is first. I am going to cast Fireball. So the creature needs to make a dexterity saving throw. Oh, the thing has no dex. Okay. Oh, mm, that's a three. <laughs> it does not. It is All not right. a fast creature. Okay, so it's gonna take eight d six fire damage. Okay, that's twenty eight damage. Ow! It's not super happy about that. Yeah. Uh, Fran. Fran screams. Go back to the ocean. Doesn't it's a land shark? It's yeah. never been to the ocean. But Fran is projecting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alrighty, uh, and Corbin? Uh, okay, so I'm going to cast a new spell that I got uh, called Call Lightning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a storm cloud appears uh, in the shape of a cylinder that is 10 feet tall with a 60 foot radius centered on a point you can see 100 feet directly above you. Uh, mm-hmm. So when you cast the spell, choose a point you can see within range. A bolt of lightning flashes down from the cloud each creature within 5 feet of the point must make a dexterity saving throw. Okay, yeah, it's, it does not. A creature takes 3d10 lightning damage on the failed save. All right, that's a 3, 8, and a 4. Okay, and now we're in action. So actually, Fran, you get to attack again. Ha-ha! Uh, the boulette is surprised. I am going to cast Scorching Ray. Scorching Ray. Okay, so this one, I get three rays of fire, and I have to make attack rolls for each one. Okay. So the first one is an 18. Okay, that'll hit. So the damage is going to be 10. Okay. For the second one, my roll is over 20. Oh, I'm getting super good rolls. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The damage is 12. So the Mm -hmm. third ray, a natural 20. All right, roll double damage. All right. You guys are making quick work of this boy. What is going on? So I got um, 7 plus 12 is 19. Okay. <laughs> Ouch. Suck it. That hurts. Well, it's going to get some revenge on you. Mm-mm. I hate this part. Yep. <laughs> so it is going to use Deadly Leap. You are going to need to make a strength or dexterity saving throw. Dealer's choice. Oh. Um, well, I have minus one strength, so I won't be choosing that. Okay. I will choose dexterity. <laughs> 
Oh, and I got 19. Nice, okay. And that is a 17 to hit? Yes, oh, definitely. So then, let's see, you will only take half damage of this, which is good. <laughs> uh, I hate this so. stupid land shark. Four plus three, so seven, eight, nine. Nice. So half of 28. Okay. So that's 14. Yeah. That's still not great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it leaps forward onto you. um, You are just barely able to dodge enough out of the way that instead of this thing landing on top of you, instead you only take big gashes to your chest and are able to avoid most of its bite, although it does scrape your arm with its harrowing jaws. (laughs) Okay, so only gashes through my chest. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Gashed open. All right, uh, Corbin, it's your turn. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so I am going to uh, send another bolt of lightning towards this guy. Okay, he's going to make a dexterity save to try and get out of the way. I don't think he'll be terribly successful. Oh, no, he's not. That's a nine. Oh, that's great. Ten, six, eight. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Fran, back to you. Okay, so I'm going to cast Poison Spray. Okay. The creature must succeed on a constitution saving throw. Ooh, that is a 10. Spraying all around. Uh, it only takes three damage. Okay. Yeah, I guess it's going to bite since... Uh... Yeah, that hits. That's a 17 plus seven, so... yeah. How many hit points do you have right now? Not a lot. <laughs> 28. Okay. Oh, so that's a uh, 10 plus 11, so that's uh, 21 plus 7. So I'm, I'm dead. You're de- oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, uh, plus 7 and then another, oh, plus another 11 plus 4, so you're very dead. Yeah, I'm, uh, like, passed out. Right. Yeah, uh, the boulette grabs you in its jaws and shakes you like a rag doll, and it throws you into the sand, uh, just a little ways away from it, and it begins to advance on you. Corbin. I'm going to use healing word to cure Fran. Okay. What's your word? Passed outness. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Um, I get a swear word. You want, you want it to be a swear word? Yes. Tata tots! <laughs> <laughs> um, Fran moves slightly more towards death. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you are able to stabilize Fran so that she does not Make, make save, yeah, make those saving throws and, you know, slip closer to death. Um, but the bootlet is going to ignore her because right. as it sees it, it's got one down, cool. one still kicking, and it's its turn. So it turns towards you, Corbin. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> I am dead. <laughs> uh, natural 20. Uh, For those of you following along at goodbye, home. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> well... I mean, oh, I'm dead. And that is 49 in the end. 49 damage. I had 30 hit points, so I am 100%. All right. Like that. Corbin, so Corbin, as you are scooped up in this thing's massive jaws, you feel cold. You're blacking out and just. Just before you lose consciousness, you hear a bugling horn. Oh, thank God. And you hear a long call of Bula, boo, boo, And you see this circle of these sleds come out of the sandstorm, and they're 
piloted by huge orcs, and you see one of them throw a spear, and then you're out cold. This anime beach episode sucks!